for the rest of my life can just continue to remove another layer and add more humility and add more of the broken and contrite spirit. Meaning, God, through all my cracks, through all my fissures in life, these are the beautiful things that actually give me character and that will touch other people's lives. Because who wants to walk into the room to somebody that just thinks that they're perfect all the time? As opposed to, God, if you can use me, you can use anybody. That's a different spirit. Would you agree? One's attractive and one's like, Praise God, you're amazing from a distance. Welcome to the PC Youth Pod. Thank you for joining us this week. For many of us, pride is the root of many issues in our life. Can I get an amen? Stupidity, insecurity, self, 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 me, 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 I, I, I. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, specifically verse 18 says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. We are talking about that tonight with uh, main verse, Psalms 51. So get your Bibles ready. You're going to want to take notes on how to break free from this. I'm excited to talk to you tonight. Are you excited to receive? Come on. We should always come in the Lord's house ready and expectant that God's going to do something. How many think that I should keep Milan's phone? It's phone accountability moment, Right? What he doesn't know is a week ago, I programmed my face into his phone. To re- I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. Get up here and get your phone, would you? Because I'll forget to give this to you later. There it is. Give it up for Milan. He's amazing. Awesome. Awesome man of God. And he just graduated. Yes? You're coming to the lake day, right? You better be there. I'm going to drag you behind the boat very fast. I'm just kidding. I won't do that. Lane Biderman will tell you stories that you need to be careful, evidently. Lane, where are you at? I love you, dude. That scar, it's beautiful. You look good. <laughs> okay. I, uh, I want to talk to you about a topic that Hans already teed me up really, really good, and it's this topic of pride. And um, G.K. Chesterton, who you have no idea who that is, but is a famous man of God, he said, if I had one, pre- one sermon to preach for the rest of my life, it would be pride. Because I want to show you tonight through the word, kind of how it's woven the story of two different, two different roads we can walk down. Tonight we're talking about walking down a broken road. You guys know that old song? Spencer, sing it for me right now. God bless the broken road. Right? I promise I won't sing to you right now, but it's a good song. But we have two different options. And some of us, in this topic of pride, you're like, I'm not prideful. I'm not, you know. And others of us go, you know, I mean, it's like how we see each other in that, in that journey. It can be kind of interesting, the kinds of things that we'll put on other people and the kinds of things we don't let get revealed in ourselves. But the cool thing about the Bible is as you read it, and you understand the people. Do you know the people that God celebrates? If you want to read Hebrews 11, talks about what are what's called the Hall of Fame of Faith. Okay, it's all the people that they just God just said, I just got to have a chapter, just one chapter in the Bible, and I'm just going to brag about them. They all struggled with pride. Every single one of them, you know. And it was their journey learning to move out of a prideful heart into. What David described in Psalms 51, 
Hans was talking about David's journey. How many remember that David had some stuff that he did struggle with? He had prideful moments. He did. Many. But if you look at the way that he learned to meet with God, that's the story of Psalms where you watch and you see him crying out to the Lord and saying, God, would you come meet me? And in Psalms 51, he was so broken. Have you ever had a friend that they just don't quite know how to apologize? And you're like, thank you for that statement, but I'm pretty sure that wasn't an apology. Are you with me? You know, and maybe just nobody taught him or, you know, maybe they just aren't really sorry, whatever. But David, if you ever want to see what a real apology is like, read Psalms 51. And I'm going to get to it a little bit later. But basically, he says at the end of this, God, what you desire out of me, out of this broken mess, what you desire, God, is a broken and contrite heart. Be like, what? I'm supposed to be broken? And I want you to understand tonight, we move from pride, usually, as God starts to move in us, to this kind of broken to pieces mess. And then we can move into this place that God designed for us, that David was talking about, where we have a broken and contrite heart. And it's this process of yielding our entire life through our mess back to him. And understanding, I can't fix me. If you don't hear anything else tonight, hear that. Because some of you... In your journey towards Christ, you got some stuff out of order and you thought that you had to show up in this room and you had to pretend that you had it all together. And I'm going to tell you that's a lie. Because none of us have it figured it out. We are all learning to let God just work on one layer after another. I have things tonight. When I started to put this message together, this is what happens when you choose to preach about a topic. God like takes you through the ringer on the, in a filter and he just takes you through your whole life and he goes, pride, 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 Aaron. And I'm like, ah, it's true. This is how God works. If I choose to come before you and open my mouth on a topic, and you guys know that I share my stuff with you, but if I choose to do that, I will, I will walk down this road usually at a much higher level than I will request you to. And God will mess with you in a good way. It's a fun process if you learn to love it because you're like, God, I'm choosing to let you see things that maybe I've just been a little bit protective of. I don't want anybody to see that. I don't want, I don't want to reveal that. And I, I don't want you to know if as we get into the word tonight, you're going to see this is consistent that everybody in this book, people that he celebrates, they all walked this journey, learning to fall out of love with yourself and move to being in love with him. There's a quote I got to read you that was just, this messed with me. And um, <laughs> it's like Fred Allen said this, and I know you don't know who he is. Just say he's famous. Just tell your neighbor he's famous. Famous, famous. All right. He said, the last time I saw him, he's talking about a friend of his. He was walking down lover's lane, holding his own hand. <laughs> okay. It just means some people, because we haven't let God work on this. It's like, there's such pride that it's like, man, you don't even recognize it in your own life, but man, until you, until you understand the wrong kind of self-love and pride that comes out of that, like, I'm sorry, but my sin is just not as bad as yours. Right? How many times do we do that? 
And judgment just comes out of us. We have to always be aware of that. God, where did that come from? And I want to tell you tonight that there's this process God can take you on. It's much sweeter than this. It's, it's, a, it's a joy to learn how to embrace this process, this broken road that God has for us to walk on. But tonight, I know, I know it's going to mess with some of you, but it's going to also encourage you. You're going to go, I'm a beautiful mess. Are you guys with me right now? And I'm going to get comfortable in my own skin that I don't have to have it together. David didn't have it together. I want to tell you a story real quick. I think it'll set the table. It was a story about this preacher. And he said, he was preaching one Sunday and at the conclusion of his sermon, the worshipers filed out of the sanctuary to greet the minister. As one of them left, he shook the minister's hand, thanked him for the sermon and said, thank you for the message, reverend. You know, you must be smarter than Einstein. Beaming with pride, the minister said, why, thank you, brother. As the week went on, the minister began to think about the man's compliment. The more he thought, the more he was baffled because he didn't know why anyone would deem him smarter than Einstein. So he decided to ask the man the following Sunday. The next Sunday, he asked the parishioner, he said, you remember the previous Sunday and the comment you made about my sermon? The parishioner replied that he did. The minister asked, exactly what did you mean that I must be smarter than Einstein? And the man replied, well, reverend, they say that Einstein was so smart that only 10 people in the entire world could understand him. But reverend, no one can understand you. <laughs> Pride. I've sat under preachers that do that. Everything's just flying over your head and you're going, oh my goodness, I need a thesaurus to understand. I don't want to do that tonight. I want to bring something right down here and I want you guys to be able to grab onto it. I want it to mean something to you. But I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, this topic right here, it is for every one of us in this room and it will affect things if you allow it to. I think about my, my journey towards the Lord and all the people that tried to speak into this area of my life. And there were many teachers. I actually had a teacher that took a swing at me because he was so annoyed with my behavior in class one day. It was a German teacher. I don't know how I, probably because I took his class three times and dropped it every time. I don't know why, but I was trying to help somebody else. That was the other mistake. But I mean, I had pastors who tried to speak to the purity issue in my life. I had parents that I exhausted. I could give my parents five reasons why I should not have to honor anything that they had asked me to do. Can anybody relate to me? I mean, I was really good at talking my way out of stuff. Can anybody just nod that you know what I'm talking about right now, okay? I had grandparents that tried to correct me and bring discipline. I had friends that tried to bring wisdom into my life. And then the Holy Spirit spent a long time trying to speak into my life about the consequences that were going to come from pride. And I just did this. I know better. I know better. Is anybody relating to me right now? Oh, no. Here's the definition of pride, just one of them, but I think a good one. A high or inordinate opinion of one's own dignity, of their importance or merit or superiority, whether as cherished in the mind or as displayed in bearing conduct. Even the statement is prideful, isn't it? A becoming, a becoming or dignified sense of what is due to oneself. Come on. Pride is in each one of us, and we have to have the courage to look at it. Pride leading to this process 
I want you to understand it's living on self-effort, self-righteousness, self-sustaining, self-sufficient. Self, 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 me, I, I, I. Leads to being broken, a wounded heart that can't, hasn't, or won't resist healing. God, I've, I've, and I remember this season where God was just messing with me. I had gone through some stuff, even some stuff in church. And I was just hurt and I was guarded and I wasn't letting anybody speak into my life. I'm like, I love Jesus, but the rest of it is crazy. You're all crazy. And I just was like, I became very guarded and very protected. And I wasn't, I lost years, you guys, where God would have loved to work in my life. And there was sin that crept in the cracks over and over and over again because of my pride. Did I believe Jesus was Lord? Yes. Was I letting him be Lord? No. It was a process. This is what God says about pride. I want you to catch this. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. There are six things that the Lord hates. Seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devised wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. These are the six things... That the Lord says he hates. And I can tell you there is plenty of evidence in that list. That there were things going on in my life. That God hated. And he was so kind and he was so patient coming to me and saying. Hey Aaron. I'd love to heal that. See some of you right now. I want you to hear this. Romans 8.1 says, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Even if I, as I start speaking the word out, all I do is just read the word. It brings conviction, but it's never meant to bring shame. Somebody say amen to that. Okay, you are meant to be stirred by the word. And I can read this right now and go, oh my goodness, Lord, you're working in me right now in that area. And that area. And he'll be doing that for the rest of my life. But I have to learn how to let God have access to every corner of my life, to the things that are off. Come on, guys. Right now. You're good. Settle. It's not, it's not easy. It's not easy. Do you know the scripture said this is like a mirror? You look in it, and then it looks back at you, and it reads your stuff. Not fun. Have you ever looked in the mirror in the morning and you're like, man, it's a good day. It's a good hair day. That's what I say every day. It's a good hair day. Whatever. That's why I vicariously live through all your hair. I'm like, I love that. Marcos comes in and I just, I just really want to like put a golf ball on top of his head right there. It's just so fluffy. I think it's cool. Anyway, random thoughts from Aaron today. But there's days that you look in the mirror and you're like, this is a good day. And there's other days you're like, this is not a good day. Like, Lord, you're going to have to help me right now. Nobody should see this yet. Come on. Pride leads to being broken, leads to the broken road. A proud person is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you're looking down, you can't see something that's above you. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. James 4, 6. I don't want God to have to oppose me. Is anybody with me on that? I think about how many seasons in my life he must have said, Aaron, I really want to bless you. I really want to encourage you. I really want to. But I actually have to oppose what's going on in your life right now. Holy cow. 
I don't want God to have to work hard to get my attention. I want to be easily corrected. Easily. That's what Proverbs says over and over and over. If you were to go push play on Proverbs and listen to it start from the start to the finish, all 31 chapters, you know what it would say? The message that you, unless you weren't listening, this is what you would hear. Learn to love correction. Learn to love a good rebuke. Over and over. <laughs> right? And this is written by the wisest dude. And if you know Solomon's, you know, he was wise and God blessed him incredibly, but he had some stuff. He had some stuff and he didn't get it all right. I want to take you to the story of it's funny to me that Hans used, he had no idea where I was going with this, but he used the story of Saul and David, and that's right where the Lord was taking me. And I'm not going to read it all, but I want you to understand. Saul was sent to destroy, God had given him instructions to destroy the Amalekites. And they were very, very clear instructions. Everything has to go because it was so evil. But he was like, I will obey up to the point that I think it's appropriate. And so... And he got caught. And because he wasn't obedient and he kind of kept the best cattle and he kept the best people and he kept the king and he kept, you know, he, he wanted what he wanted. He wasn't interested in complete obedience. Can anybody relate to me that there was a whole lot of partial obedience in your life, maybe in a past season, let alone in this one? Okay, that was like my whole childhood. I obeyed to the point that it kind of looked like I might be obeying, but it really wasn't obedience. This is what scripture says. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Why do you think it says that? <laughs> because God's like, thank you for coming and serving in, in, in all these ministries and doing all these things. Revelations 2.4 says this. You're doing all these things well, church in Ephesus, but I have this one thing that you're totally missing. You've left your first love. I'd really just like your obedience on this. Because when you get Jesus right, when you, when you allow him to speak into your life, you, all the other stuff lines up. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these other things get added unto you. Why, if I get this wrong, does all the rest of this get jacked up? It's true. It's what happens. And if you have the courage to look at some of the patterns in your life, like I'm sharing with you out of mine, you might see the same thing. Why, when I start just... I mean, as a ministry, I'm going to be bold right now. Why is it such a challenge for us to bring this book into his house? Just speaking. And I understand that we've moved to digital versions and all that. I'm not, again, I'm not bringing any condemnation, but I'm saying there is, we've got to get back to this becoming dear to us. God, I want to hear from you. Praise God. There's a pastor up there saying, I don't even know what he's talking about right now, but I want to hear from you personally. I want you to have that expectation. I just made a deal years ago with the Lord. Like everywhere I go, I'm going with this. I feel naked when I don't have my Bible. And that made all of you uncomfortable right now. But I'm just telling you, that is how my spirit feels. Because, I mean, I remember Pastor, uh, it was either Pastor Pat or Pastor Bullock. I think it was Pastor Pat Clements. He was saying, I don't ever go anywhere where I'm not ready to receive if something gets shut down. I remember I was going to a conference last year, a leadership conference up at Manor House, and a person 
passed away on the freeway. It was a horrible accident. I got stuck for three and a half hours. Three and a half hours. I mean, my whole night was supposed to be worshiping God and whatever. Instead, you know what I got to do? I got to worship God. Because I was ready. I had my Bible. I had my journal. And I sat on that freeway and I prayed for the family that was obviously experiencing loss. And I prayed for the people at the conference and I didn't, I didn't lose that time. And yes, it, it's not necessary that I have to have this book in order for that to happen. But there's something that happens when we know we are ready. We are ready to receive. I'm ready to meet with you. And I want you guys to start to understand that that's God. He wants to meet with you. He's not mad tonight about your pride issues. He's just saying, I have a desire to say something on a daily basis. And if you're courageous, you might come and go, God, I don't want to try to live this day out without fresh instructions. Have you ever like got into your mother's cupboard and you get out the bread and you're all excited and all of a sudden it's just moldy? Have you ever, have you ever, have you ever like put the peanut butter on there and all of a sudden you see it and you're like, no, no. And it was the only two last slices that were like, the other ones were the heels, right? Some of you like the heels, you're more holy than me. Okay. But I'm telling you, there's nothing worse than when there's not something fresh. I, I want you to get this. God wants to give you fresh bread on a daily basis. You know why? Because here's what happens. It's just like the loaves and fishes. When he gives it to you, then all day long, you're just breaking it, breaking it, breaking it and giving it away. As opposed to, I think I might in the cupboard have something. Are you with me? There's a humility in that that says, I don't think I'm, I'm ready to walk through. I'm preaching to myself right now, by the way. I don't think I'm ready to walk through this day without an encounter, a fresh encounter from God. And for some of you right now, you have no idea why you've been off. You have no idea why you're so frustrated. You have no idea why things have just been stirring in you and frustrating you and things that shouldn't be bothering you are bothering you and you're mad and you're, you're, you're just off. And I'm going to tell you, get back to your first love. Get back to meeting with God. And it's amazing how quickly what the word is analogized as water. And you put that on some clay. And it's amazing how it goes from something hard and crusty to something workable. And all of a sudden your heart becomes tender. And all of a sudden you desire the presence of God. And all of a sudden when the word is spoken, you're paying attention. And all of a sudden you care. You care about the person that walks in that normally annoys you and you have compassion for them. You're not annoyed because you've been in God's presence and you realize you're a work in progress so you have grace for somebody else that is. I know I'm not talking to anybody else but myself right now. Come on. This journal right here came out of me because I was such a prideful person that just thought I could live every day with no purpose, just wherever God led me, just floating around, whatever was exciting that day. And I came to a place that said, God, I want to live on purpose for you. I want every day to count. So I put my goals and my dreams and I put you down in this journal when God's stirring me to pray for you. Because I want to be on purpose for him. I want him to get my best. I don't want him to get my worst. I want him to get my best. And David learned that from a lot of failure. Humility came to him a hard way. Do you know, though, 
I want you to catch this. This is very, very, very important. If you learn to love this book, if you learn to store up treasure in your heart, you do not have to walk through every difficult thing in this world. You can learn how to walk with him and be protected and covered. I'm not going to tell you you're never going to go through something hard, but you don't have to run through brick walls when there were very clear signs to go around it. Are you guys with me right now? This is God desires to be able to say, Kiana, I, I have a word for you. Okay, this person in your life, I want you to be careful. You can love on them, but you need, to be, you need to be wise because some of the things going on in this season of their life, they're not a bad person. You need to be cautious how much you share of your heart with them. I want you to be careful over here. I'm not sure you're ready to date this person. I want you to be careful over here because the line just keeps moving. The line of holiness just keeps shifting and you're struggling with that. So that means the line needs to be wet. And, and when you're in the word, He'll protect you from things. You can know things by his word that you would never have known otherwise. Because the world's not going to teach it to you. Public school's not going to teach it to you. Come on, wisdom comes through diving into this. And saying, God, I'm hungry today. The scripture on the cover of my Bible, I love this Bible. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Psalms 91, written by who? David. So you got two different stories here. You got the the story of Saul completely giving away his mantle and just laying it down because of pride. He knew better. So many times we struggle with the same thing. Famous quote. Temper gets you into trouble, but pride keeps you there. Come on, has your temper ever gotten you in trouble? Pride will keep us there. I want to give you a couple of different analogies here, difference between a proud and a broken heart. Saul, if you look at his life, pride brought disloyalty, stubbornness, rebellion, lying, partial obedience, manipulative spirit, living on excuse, He was a taker, not a giver. He was unsubmitted. He was remorseful and not repentive. By the way, that's a big sign of pride. I'll do anything I can to just kind of get out of trouble right now. I'm not, I mean, I'm sorry I got caught, but I'm not really repentive. Here's what repentance looks like. I was moving this direction. God corrected something in me and now I'm doing a 180 and I'm moving this way. That's repentance. Not kind of just a, uh, 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 hope I don't get caught again. Do you see the difference? I think about that and God dealing with me in areas, especially in areas that had to do with money. As I grew in my 20s and my 30s, there was just stiff layers of pride. I was in a park this last week that I helped landscape out in Independence, this whole park. And I was remembering when I was in that park and I had two FBI agents come to me and say, I need you to put this wire on. And I need you to call this person. And I, you know, it was, I had to go undercover with the FBI to catch someone because I was an idiot and I wasn't walking in wisdom. And I let somebody trick me out of about $5,000. I was young, but it was just complete foolishness. You know that, that game, two truths and a lie? I always win because I can use that story. Anyway, but you know, who, who's ever gone undercover with the FBI? I have. Okay. Anyway. But I was laughing. I was going, man, what an idiot. What were you thinking? And it was just God removing layers of pride. 
I thought I could do things and kind of get around the system and just complete foolishness. You see that all through politics. There's two different versions. Let's just make up our own truth. You hear people say that now? That's my truth. No, there's one truth. Amen? This is God's word. And it is truth. And when we choose to line our hearts up with it, it's amazing what God can do. Look at this. I'm going to give you some characters in the Bible. Lucifer fell from heaven because of pride. Adam and Eve, they're fooled out of their inheritance. The serpent tricked them, but they bought into it because of pride. They knew better. Cain and Abel. Cain killed Abel because of pride. Noah. Think about all that entire generation. The guy built the boat for 120 years. Every single person other than his family said, because of pride, no, you're a fool. No, you're a fool. Pride. God had to literally wipe the face of the earth clean because of pride. Abraham and Isaac got in trouble for the same sin. How'd you like, girls, how'd you like to be married to a guy that says, oh no, that's not my wife, it's my sister. Generations, sin can pass down through generations. It did in that family. This is, by the way, the family that God said, I'm going to establish my name through this family. Israel. Crazy issues, though, with pride. Joseph had a pride issue. Jacob had a pride issue. Jacob tried to trick his brother, his dad, his uncle. And in the end, he kind of got caught, didn't he? Uncle Laban was a, a bigger trickster than he was. Joseph, pride, because, you know, after he had gone through all these things and then he was in jail and he's like, come on, come on, get me out. He thought he knew better. He could figure out his own way out as opposed to God. I'm going to sit here until you tell me I'm supposed to be out. Moses had a pride issue when he killed that person and then tried to cover it up. Israel, <laughs> we don't need God's servant. We need a king. Pride. Just pass down, pass down, pass down. Saul pride. Samson pride. I don't need to honor my parents or God. I'm bigger than all of it. Would you agree with Samson that it cost him? He was a judge. He was, he was anointed by God to do amazing things. And he threw it all away because he took all the strength that God had given him. And he's like, that's mine. I'll do whatever I want. God would say to you tonight, Come on, don't have to walk through every difficult thing before you recognize that maybe there's a little bit of fabric of pride in your life. The disciples walked through pride. Hey, is it okay if I sit on your right and my brother sits on the left? Peter, I would never say that, Lord. Boom. Issue after issue after issue. And God has such grace for all this. He knows we're going to struggle with it. And he loves us. Pride causes stupidity. It causes blindness. And it causes false security. It's looking at this. Anybody seen the Titanic? You seen the movie? Okay, like a few of you know the story. All right, it's a huge ship. And uh, early 1900s. Whoop, crashed. Anyway, bottom of the sea. Two ships that night. One was pride that they got stuck. Because that pride caused them to get into that situation. Because they were full steam ahead. Come on, listen up. They were full steam ahead. Right into iceberg waters. Trying to be impressive as opposed to walking in wisdom and not understanding. We have the most precious cargo in the world right here. So pride puts them in the situation. And then even after they get in the accident, 
many more have, would have been saved, but there was two different ships with two different responses. Okay? First, the Californian just completely ignored every signal. Oh, the, the captain was like, I want to go to sleep. It's probably just they're throwing fireworks off the ship. I mean, just ignored everything. If you read, I could read you the whole story. I have it right here, but we don't have time. And the opposite was the Carpathia. As soon as they saw the SOS, they made every preparation, full steam ahead, through the night, to get there. It took them hours to get there, but they got there and saved like 1,500 people. Two different responses, two different leaders. One, humility. The other one, pride. I want to be somebody that God, for the rest of my life, can just continue to remove another layer and add more humility and add more of the broken and contrite spirit. Meaning, God, through all my cracks, through all my fissures in life, these are the beautiful things that actually give me character and that will touch other people's lives. Because who wants to walk into the room to somebody that just thinks that they're perfect all the time? As opposed to God... If you can use me, you can use anybody. It's a different spirit. Would you agree? One's attractive and one's like, praise God, you're amazing from a distance. You know, live over there. And I have, I have love for both people because I understand the process of learning to move into out of pride into brokenness. I was looking at this and, and really one of the best analogies, some of you are going to like this analogy and some of you are not going to like it, but if you look at the process that you go through when you're trying to break a horse, okay, like a thoroughbred, I want you to think about it this. There's a process that first the horse has to learn to gain trust in you. There's a connection. That's understanding real love for God. And then there's a process of, of learning to be trained to follow commands, learning to love God's word. And then it's learning to introduce the bridle and the reins and the saddle. God, wherever you lead me, I'll go. Do you see the humility? Do you see the shift? I'm I'm moving slow. And all of a sudden, God, yes, you have my heart. And now wherever you take me, I'll go. There's a difference other than, God, if you meet me on my terms, whatever I'm comfortable with, I'll walk out. This is what David said. I was told you I'd come back to this. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. This is what repentance looks like. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I knew my transgression and my sin is always before me. Against you and you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful from birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. You have desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in the secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear Joy and gladness. Let the bones that have been crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew in me a steadfast spirit. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation and grant me a willing spirit. I want you to hear that. Grant me a willing spirit. Come on, be still right now. Don't rob anybody else around you right now of receiving the word. 
Renew a steadfast spirit in me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Teach me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that the sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. You, Lord, you who are God, my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips. Somebody needs to say that. God, I can't even speak about this topic. This is too hard. Open my lips, Lord, that my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, oh God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. God, you will not despise. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Come on. I want God to build a loyal spirit in me. I want him right now to know that I'm open to any change he wants to bring. That's a broken and contract heart. God, you can do surgery on me tonight. I give you permission. I want to be truthful to the point of embarrassment. I remember when God was dealing with this in me and any time I lied, he made me repent in the moment. There was times I remember I got pulled over by a cop. He's like, how fast were you going? Well, I was like this. And all of a sudden I was like, no, I really did this. And then I did this and I did this because God was breaking pride in me. I wanted control and I was a manipulator and I had to recognize that in myself. And I had given God permission. I said, if I lie and I know about it, I'm fixing it right then. And I got tired of being embarrassed. He taught me truth. I don't want to live by excuses. I want to live in the light. I want to I want to be a giver. I want to take ownership, God, for the things that that you're dealing with in me. I want to repent quickly, no matter what it costs. I want you to see this list as we get ready to go back into worship. I gave you the list of all the people that God used and they all had pride issues. But now I want to give you a similar list of what brokenness looks like in many of them. It was the breaking down of Jacob's natural strength at Peniel that got him where God could clothe him with spiritual power. Do you remember? He wrestled with God and he came out a different person. You remember for the rest of his life, he walked with a limp, but he finally faced his issues and he walked and he met his brother who he had tricked out of his birthright and his blessing. And he said, Esau, you remember Esau even, he, he brought a gift to his brother and Esau was like, I don't need your gift. And he goes, no, I have to give this to you. I have to give it because my whole life I've been a manipulator and I would normally just come up and go, here's my gift, hoping that you would give it back to me. But it's really important that I give the gift and that I don't manipulate it out of your hands because I already manipulated you once and I'm not doing it again. God, I don't care what it costs me. I want to be right with you. Everybody thinks everything's right in me right now. It's not. There's a real relationship that God wants to have with you where he says, man, if you'll trust me, I'm really gentle. I'm really kind. I'm really not who you think I am. I love you. I see you. I see you. Thinking about some of the other people. Moses. God took this prideful dude and he said, give me what you have and God used him in such a powerful way to lead Israel. 40 years, God taught him faithfulness. He didn't do it all right. 
but God used him. You think of when the poor widow broke the seal of the little pot of oil and poured it forth and God multiplied it to pay her debts. It's broken things that God will use. Esther risking her life. She broke through all that rigid etiquette of that heathen court to obtain favor and to rescue the people of Israel. She was willing to go through a broken process and to say, God, I just want to look like whatever you tell me I'm supposed to look like. I want to reflect you. She had a year of beauty treatments and then came out of that, not with pride, but with humility, just saying, God, I just want to represent you. Mary with her beautiful alabaster jar that she broke open. It was a year's wages and just on Jesus' feet. Come on. That's what our worship is supposed to look like. Broken, open. When I stand here and I move up and I say, Father, that's me. I'm broken tonight. Broken good, not broken bad. Father, I come before you in humility and I recognize all the areas that you want to you want to work on. Come on, let's just take one more step tonight. Come on, we want to be the Holy Spirit to each other at times, don't we? Spencer, I've got some things I want to correct in you. And then the Holy Spirit goes, why don't you just let me work on you? You know, God's working on me. It's part of, like I'm a leader and so I naturally move towards that and God just says, whoa, dude. Come to me first. You ever see a pattern in your life where you're always trying to fix things in other people and God goes, well, maybe I need to fix that in you first before you go around and start correcting everybody. God wants to take all that strength that's in you, that leadership that's in you and you learn to give it back to him and say, Father, anything I've got, any strength I've got, I give it to you and I want to be under, under your leadership in humility. I want you to be able to use me. Come on, we think we always just have it together and we've got it right and we understand better than other people. And I'm just going to tell you, God's probably going to be working on that in me the rest of my life. Because there's still stubbornness in me. There's pride in me on so many levels. But I'm excited for him to heal something new tonight. Are you? I'm still learning. Can we give each other permission to still be learning? Because I promise you, it will affect this room. The people that you're sitting around. You want to learn how to have great people around you? Learn how to let God teach you humility so that you can be a great friend. It will draw great friends if you, but it has to come out of you first. Stop, stop making it about everybody else. God, deal with me. Deal with me. Heal me. To stay caught up with us as a youth ministry, go to PC Youth Salem on Instagram and YouTube and join us Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Pacific time for our live stream. Have a great week.